And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to episode 18 of the Lace Them Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about a bunch of topics. The hammer has fallen on Dennis Weidman, but um, an appeal is expected. Connor McDavid is back and as dangerous as ever. Uh, in rapid fire, we're going to be talking about the race for Austin Matthews and why that race for some teams uh, still includes a playoff spot. Um, apparently, the race isn't as one-sided as it for the number one pick hasn't been as one-sided compared to previous years. Uh, Sid the Kid also rolling. A few teams are as well. And as usual, we're going to be talking about the Bruins and the Sens, as we usually do in this non-biased Atlantic division <laughs> of ours. Um, but first, Brett, why don't you tell our listeners how they can uh, get a hold of us on social media? Yeah, um, yeah so first off, there's uh, well, SoundCloud, uh, which I assume is how you're listening to it right now. Um, uh, or you can go on to iTunes. Uh, please rate us. Uh, that's how we get more recognition. Uh, okay, so we get a better idea of how to improve the show as well. As well, yeah. Um, and if you want to tweet us out for some like feedback or anything, our Facebook page uh, at Lace Em Up Podcast, um, and also our Twitter, which is Lace Em Podcast. Um, at least some podcasts as well. We'll just give you uh, a news on when our next episode is coming up and other information about that. Um, I think that's it. Um, and we also welcome your questions yeah. uh, through our email address, laceupbag at yeah, gmail.com. Yeah, so if you have any lucky anyway. questions for us, we welcome Or them. any feedback whatsoever. Yeah, any feedback is welcome too. Um, all right, let's get... Uh, oh, yeah, so do you want to do your 18... Yeah, the mentions. players that wore number 18, we got a ton of famous names. Uh, Denny and Serge Savard both wore number 18. Uh, the Savarian Spinorama made famous by Dennis throughout his years. Uh, the late Al Arbor wore number 18 as well. So did Doug Gilmore, believe it or not. Uh, Danny Gare, who uh, wore number 19 as well, he was a monster goal scorer in his early years with the Sabres, had a couple of 50-goal seasons as well, uh, for those of you who don't know who Danny Gare is. Uh, who can forget ex-senator and current member of the Blackhawks, Marion Hosa, who is six goals shy of 500 at last check. That might have changed. Yes, yeah, um, Already mentioned Doug Gilmore. Peter Ilnicek, he scored 28 goals in his rookie season with the Leafs way back in the day. Never the same player ever since. Uh, and then we have the regulars, Kirk Maltby, who had several successful seasons with the Red Wings, a couple of Stanley Cups, James Neal, Mike Richards. Uh, Darcy Rhoda, nine-time 20-goal scorer in the NHL. Former Boston Bruin Nathan Horton. Yeah, my he wore number hero. 18, and countless others who uh, donned that jersey, we salute you. <laughs> uh, to our first topic, uh, this guy doesn't wear number 18. He wears number 6. Uh, and the number of games he is suspended for, pending appeal, of course, is 20. That person is Dennis Wyman. Right. We talked about this a bit on uh, our last episode. It kind of got both heated. We both kind of agreed that he was going to get a long suspension, which is true for 20 games. I think you even said that he was going to get 20 games. I exactly. said anything less than 20 games would be a slap in the face, and I guess the NHL took my vote <laughs> seriously. No, they didn't, because it was 20 <laughs> games right on the nose. Um, and that's the third prediction yeah. for those of you counting that I have nailed right on the head. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, I think it should have been more, but it's whatever, it's fine. Uh, the NHL is, NHL PA is appealing though. Um, I have this letter here that they sent out in a statement. They said, uh, we strongly disagree with the league's decision to suspend Dennis Weidman. Uh, Dennis has played in 11 NHL seasons and almost 800 games without incident. The facts, including the medical evidence presented at the hearing, clearly demonstrate that Dennis had no intention to make contact with the lineman. An appeal has been filed on the player's behalf. Um, which is interesting that they mention this because it turns out that the Calgary Flames kind of messed up on the concussion protocol. 
Apparently, when the when it happened, according to Rick Westhead, who I guess is a Calgary insider, um, he yeah, uh, he's a legal analyst with TSN or something okay, like yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah. he's he, he he delves into like the legal stories. Okay. You see him on TSN a bunch of times. Well, I got I just got on his Twitter apparently. So he wrote this all on Twitter. He said the NHL's heralded heralded concussion protocol in the Dennis Wyman case wasn't followed. The concussion spotter called down to the Calgary bench. Um, according to NHL protocol, Wyman should have been there, been taken to quiet distraction free place and examined by doctor. He wasn't. After the game, Lineman was diagnosed with a concussion by the Flames team doctor. Um, NHL will now decide whether to fine Flames if it determines concussion protocol not followed. Um, separate issue from Wyman's sanctions. Um, so this is this is interesting because um, the Flames may be in even more trouble. I mean, I expect the appeal. I don't know when the appeal is going to happen. I assume it's going to be soon. But um, but this is an even more serious issue if the Flames kind of messed up the whole uh, concussion protocol altogether, um, which is more serious. So this the situation could be more um, intriguing uh, very shortly. Um, if it does pan out the way um, it happens, I guess. Um, my my prediction is that it is going to go to appeal uh, sooner rather than later because this 20-game suspension here, um, this is, this might, they might take into account the games he has already missed. So if this right. drags on for as long as it is, and 10 games has passed, and they finally get to it, uh, if they reduce it uh, based on the amount of games he has already missed, uh, just like, you know, um, like like uh, kind of like jail time served, like someone gets five years in prison, um, but, but they appeal the ruling, and it, it ends up getting reduced to three years because they consider like a, you know, time served in jail, which is, which is two game, uh, which was two years in this case. Um, like Den Dennis Weidman, it, if this 10 games later, this gets appealed, they might just reduce it to 10 games saying, okay, you've already served 10 games, serve the next 10 and then get back out there. Um, I think that's what's going to happen ultimately is they're going to consider the amount of time served and reduce the suspension. Um, they, I've heard all this talk that Gary Bettman uh, usually doesn't like to appeal what the players, uh, what the Department of Player Safety has um, ruled on. Um, of course, there have been uh, certain occasions where suspensions have gotten reduced. Uh, Dan Carcillo, uh, one year in the playoffs, he got 10 games for abuse of an official. That was reduced to six games. Uh, Rafi Torres on Marion Hosa, that was, I think, 20 to 25 game suspension yes, around yeah, those yeah. lines, and it cut cut down to I think it was six games. I'm not quite sure off the top of my head, but it was cut down. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it, it's it's not. I'd be disappointed if if the suspension does get reduced, even though I ex, I expect that it will to a certain extent. Right. Um, and simply because although Bettman doesn't like to do this kind of thing. Um, he has done it in the past. And the fact that I think, like, the fact that he has a concussion after that play is, I think, the only kind of alibi he can have for hitting a ref like that, where no opposition players are in front of the ref. He's got three feet between him and the bench, so he can't say he, he can't avoid it. Um, the, the only justifiable explanation for doing something like that is if you're unaware of your surroundings and the dizziness from a concussion is the only defense maybe that I can see for Dennis Wyman getting the suspension reduced um, and it will be interesting to see how the Calgary Flames um, training staff uh, gets dealt with this and the organization yeah. itself and if they do get punished the NHL can't just dish up fines they need to dish out suspensions and really send a message that, you know, the concussions in the NFL, for example, this is becoming a big deal in the NFL. True. It's already become a big deal in the NHL. You can't just dish out fines and send a message. You need to hand out suspensions. Make it hurt. Yeah. Make teams think twice from sending their players back out there. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I feel like Call Grease should be punished for uh, just disregarding the concussion protocol, um, regardless of, I mean, I don't think it would have changed the fact that the ref would have uh, been, um, the ref may not have been sidelined because, you know, no, Wyman no, just because left. because that happened just right. seconds after. But, the like, game, but even would, still, would like. It is, they just right. cause more problems for themselves. For like at any point in the game, you need to obey this concussion protocol. Right, right. I agree. I, I agree guess with you. they didn't obey it to the letter, and and they <laughs> should learn the lesson the hard way if that's the case. I no, I agree with you. I just um, I, I'm just saying that like it it should be even more of a factor considering like you just see a player just deck a referee. You should figure out that something's wrong with this player. Just yeah. the fact that you didn't even get, like, a, you, like, waved off the spotter away kind of just shows that, like, you know, they they don't really care, I guess, about anything. But, um, you know, or maybe, maybe Wyman said that he was okay, and then it turns out, like, he just waved off the spotter. I don't really know what the specifics were. Um, but, like... I think and it's if that's if that's the case, like NHL players, right. just like any professional athlete, will say, "I'm good, I'm good to go. Right, exactly. I'll tough it out. I'll get back out there." Put yeah, that's the mentality. That's right. what every single player is going to say. Every single player wants to win and have success, yeah. and they're not going to let a simple, uh, you know, check which you know rings their bell and and you know they'll just shake off the cobwebs and get back out there. Yeah. Um, but. That's that's what the training staff is for. They need to recognize, uh, and and they need to take their time with situations like this because you don't know for sure if if a player is hurt until you take them off the ice and examine them. You can't just take the player's word for it all the time. Even if sure. you know the player's telling their truth and they're fine, you need to take the better be safe than sorry approach. And um, if these allegations are correct, the Calgary Flames didn't do that. Right, that's true. And I feel like that that's the more serious issue. It's like, yeah, sure, he... I mean, obviously, uh, decking a ref is not great. But, uh, like, just the fact that, like, he had a, he had a concussion and they didn't even um, check is more frustrating or more um, scary to think about. Um, or more an issue... To think about. Okay, so uh, I think that's it on the Wyman topic. Um, until further notice, uh, we'll we'll wait and see on that. Uh, so uh, Connor McDavid. The big news this week is that Connor McDavid is back. Um, he returned um, against your. Well, he originally returned against Columbus. Uh, he had three points against Columbus. He had a phenomenal goal, like his first goal back. With, like it was, pro- was probably a goal of the year candidate. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, like he just like deeks like twenty guys, although it's really four guys. Still impressive. Um, and then uh, he uh, and then he had two points against your Ottawa Senators, none against the Montreal Canadiens, um, and he just he scored just a while ago because he's playing right now against the uh, Islanders, and he has their only goal. But, oh wow, it's 7-1 to one Islanders right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I was going, so having said that, I was going to say, like, could this be the spark that brings Edmonton back up? But, I, I mean, now that they're 7-1, um, even though McDavid has scored, it, it's like, I guess it's clear that Edmonton still has issues. Um, yeah, 12 to 2, they've been outscored in their last five periods of hockey or something Yeah, like or that. something like that. They lost to Montreal, which is also five going more, downwards. Yeah. Um, so that's, um, so yeah, Edmonton, um, I guess needs more help than, uh, what they had. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time now because McDavid is, like, one of the, you know, he's going to be a star in the future. I think Eberly said something about, like, he's only going to get better, which is kind of scary. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's just, I, I don't know what you do here when, like, Edmonton is down in the bottom again, um, where you're, you know, they'll probably get a top draft pick. 
maybe they might not win the lottery again, but they'll probably get at least a top four pick. So it's like, um, so they're gonna be, they're gonna get even more of a top pick prospect um, in the well, draft. If the Wings are going, they'll at least get another top five pick. Right. And and there's two finished studs that outside of Austin Matthews have gotten some high praise from the NHL drafting. Right. Sets. Yeah, they look good too, but they really need defense. So it's like, uh, yeah. uh, although I think Patrick, isn't Patrick Lane a defenseman? I may be off on that. I think one of them is defenseman, isn't he? Yeah, I, um, I think Jewel Levy, I think, is a defenseman. All right, let for, me look for this the up. London Knights, I, I, I think he's up for the draft this year, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking this up, hold on. Jewel Levy, yeah. Well, there's Chikrin. I think he's a defenseman. There's Chikrin. They, they, they need defensive defensemen, I, I think, more than they need offensive. Oh, Patrick Lane's a right winger. I thought he was a yeah, defenseman. Lane is a, a winger, yeah. Okay. The, the best defenseman right now is Chikrin um, on the Sarnia Sting and Julo Levy, which is who you're talking about. Yeah. He's also yeah. projected up there. Um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess um, we like we know how the good this kid can be, and yeah. it's astounding to see how much better this team is with him in the lineup. I mean, like I said, we just pointed out that in the last five years they've been outscored twelve to two. But consider <laughs> this: I saw a stat during Saturday's Oilers Canadians game. Edmonton's power play success rate with McDavid in the lineup is double that than their power play success without him in the lineup. They're averaging over three goals per game with Connor in the lineup. When he's out of the lineup, they only average just over two goals a game. So it's 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 a glaring st- offensive stat, uh, you know, minus these past couple of games. How good this team is with McDavid in the lineup compared to without him, because it's just when when you have a talent like Connor McDavid, everyone's focused on what he's going to do, and they forget about everyone else on your team. And it's this deceptiveness, this unpredictability right. that makes him so dangerous. Yeah, and I think that's what makes him so good, and what makes Edmonton so much better is when you have a game changer like that on your team, it puts less pressure on everyone else. Well, yeah, you also have to think about the fact that Edmonton doesn't have Clef Bomb, who is who look uh, good defensively. Yeah, um, he's out indefinitely now. With is he with out indefinitely? I think. Oh wow, I didn't know that. I thought he was just, he was going to come back soon. No, no, he, he he's probably going to be out weeks. Oh wow. Um, and then R&H is also out, um, yeah. but so it's, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because it's, it's been, like last year Edmonton also had injury issues the year before that. They always have injury issues. It's just like once you get all the, all the guys that you need, like all the, those, you know, Hall, McDavid, r and I guess you could count Yakupov in there, but he's not as, he hasn't been as good. Um, as those three guys have been. Eberle um, is important. Uh, Nurse has looked good, though, uh, defensively. Uh, he's only going to get better. So, I mean, it is looking up for Edmonton, but right now you're still in, like, this free-fall position where you can't get better. Cause... Eric Grive had a big week last week, too. Yeah. Uh, Nurse had this, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but, uh, oh, yeah, it was against the Senators, but Nurse... Had this had fight against the center. Yeah. It was against McCormick, I think it was. Yeah, or someone like that. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just saw the highlights where his dad was, like, getting really excited about Oh, me. yeah. Yeah, he was um, Jacks. But, but everyone, yeah. everyone around him was just looking just like, hey, chill, bro. Yeah, but uh, it looks like he's going to be there, like, take da- shut down D for a while, which is something Edmonton yeah, definitely needs. Yeah, that's what they need. That's he's, what's he's important. He's future yeah. shut down defenseman for exactly. sure. Exactly. And Clefbaum's, like, you know, kind of the offensive defenseman guy, so. Yeah. Um, so it looks like once it once you get Clefbaum some more experience, once you get Nurse more experience, once you get McDavid more experience even, then, then they're going to be really good. And then you and add on the, to the fact... The worst, the worst thing for them, I think, this year would be to make the playoffs. Because right. no one's expecting them to do that. Yeah, they're in the, the weak division that, you know, it's True. still wide open for the team. Yeah, they could, they could still do it. third spots are concerned. But, I mean, a, a team that, you know, could get another top five pick. I mean, I know you don't want to miss the playoffs again. But this year is all about creating optimism. This year yeah. is all about creating 
hype for the future. And right. McDavid has certainly done that in the limited amount of time that he's seen in, in an Edmonton Oilers uniform. Right. And you still have, and, and on top of that, so you still have like a, probably at least a top five draft pick, assuming they still keep on this pace or whatever. And you also have, um, you know, you also have Taylor Hall and RNH and Jordan Eberle and Yakupov. Who are all you know? Who all have tons of potential? And, and when you have you know, so many assets, yeah, you can also trade them for the assets that you need. But that's also risky too, because it's like, who do you get back? And what if, like R and H, like let's say you trade back R and H, then you get like, who's going to be worth like around that equal value of R and H, and how do you get that? Um, especially with Chirelli, who has experience with this kind of stuff but he's, um he's had some good deals and he's he's, he's had some bad deals no exactly. question about it but um i i think i think he's it's it's tough to say you know whether or not his offense is uh the deals that he made in the offseason are going to pay off you know just based on one season alone um like griffin reinhardt's uh, been up and down the minors this year you know it's it's tough to tell if that trade is going to be a slam dunk for right. the Oilers, but uh, certainly Pierre Shirelli is is not afraid to make a gamble. He's made a couple uh, of gambles before. Not all of them have paid off, but he's a guy that seems to know what he wants, what he needs, and he goes out and he gets it, or he at least tries to, and ho- hopefully he doesn't feel miserably in his quest. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it should be interesting. They're, they're, they're an interesting team to look for in the next couple of years. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Rapid Fire now. It's been a while since we've done this, because uh, last week we just focused on the All-Star game. Uh, so uh, there is some setback for Carey Price. He may be shut down for the season if the Habs continue to lose. It's currently 1-1, Montreal, Carolina. Uh, the third just started. Um, but they, they won last night against Edmonton, which I think we mentioned before, but, um, so, uh, there isn't, uh, I think they've won, like, five games in the last two months, um, which is, uh, like, I think it's definitely a franchise record for a worst stretch, but I don't know if it's the worst all-time in hockey history, but... This is an incredible, like, you, we knew that Montreal's best player was Carey Price. We didn't know it was going to be this bad, though. Um, I don't know what's going on with you, Steve, right now. I'm hearing weird sounds right now. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm speechless. Like, I've, <laughs> I, I, was, I was looking at Montreal's odds of making the playoffs uh, uh, in, in that. I don't know. Wait, what? Wait, f- hold on. What was what were those weird sounds before? Uh, I, I think you I think you might have dropped out for a brief second. It was, it was uh, just kind of okay. waiting for, for my spot to, to come in there. But Go on. Um, when and in the early stages of the Hurricanes Canadians broadcast, I saw their playoff chances in mid November. They were ninety eight percent. Now they're just fifteen wow. of making the playoffs. Yeah. But I mean, again, at the same time, it's like uh, like Boston's not great. I can say that from I'm not uh, I'm clearly not biased, right? Uh, Boston's not great. Tamp- like really, the only strong team in the Atlantic Division right now is Tampa Bay. Uh, Florida, I guess we'll still see. They obviously have Luongo and stuff, so we don't know if they're for real. But those are like the only two that are probably going to still be in the playoffs. Uh, Detroit may be still there, so it's like really just Montreal is fighting against our two teams with Boston, um, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Toronto are definitely not making it. So it's um, it's definitely uh, it's it's possible Montreal could make it in if they get Carey Price at the right time. Um, it just depends on when that happens. 
You know, well, the setback, um, you know, based on what I'm hearing, that certainly doesn't help uh, right. getting back any sooner. Right, right, exactly. By, by the time that happens, you know, the deadline's passed, and then, yeah. you know, Mark Bergman's probably going to have his mind made up, okay, right, where's my exactly. team going this year? Yeah, that's a good point, too. It's, you have to think about, well, if you're going to get Carey Price back, is it, if it's going to be worth it. Um and, and so, you know what? With Austin Matthews up for grabs and the, the need for more scoring. <laughs> they're just going to tank. Like the Montreal Canadiens, some fans might think it's terrible to finish dead last yeah. in the league when so much expectation is on you for this season. Right. But I think Austin Matthews could be worth it if they get him. Well, they'll have to lose a lot more games and hope that Toronto, Columbus, and all these bad teams like win more games because they're not going to get a chance of getting Matthews because they're now in the they're in the middle tier they're in the mediocre tier where they're not good enough to be in the playoffs but they're not bad enough to seriously be tanking you know what I mean but if you look at if you look at the lower tier and I'm going to address this uh, during our Bruins sense right. segment later well we're going to be talking about this tier, too they're not too far off that it's true it's true. Well, we're going to be talking about that very shortly. Yeah, Anyways. yeah. Like I said, no, no, no spoilers yet. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess we'll, uh, yeah, we'll wait for a couple more minutes because uh, uh, Evgeny Malkin is out. Uh, he's day to day lower body injury. It's now the time where they don't they have to disclose injuries because they don't want uh, players targeting certain um, uh, body parts when they do come back. <laughs> But uh, Malkin's out. Um, we are going to talk about Crosby later in the broadcast, but it is now t- it's a perfect time for Crosby to get hot. Um, it always yeah, happens too. That's the scary part. Yeah, it, it always it always happens too when Crosby is like injured or out or right. like not doing well. Malkin do, like takes off the load, and then when Malkin's out or you know is do, doing poorly, Crosby is um, is back to his normal self so it's like a it's a weird thing it's like why can't they just be at the same time um doing well but um whatever so Malkin's out but the Penguins are still rolling so they're uh, they're currently third we're also going to talk about the Penguins later too they're third in their division right now um so yeah like uh, the, it's the just important. Between Carey Price being out and Evgeny Malkin being out, Pittsburgh knows how to cope with Evgeny Malkin because they've out. Ha- and, they've and dealt with that before. That Canadians, for whatever reason, haven't yeah. shown they can cope without Carey Price. Yeah, and they've dealt with that before. And also, it's it, it looks like it's not as serious as what Carey Price has had. Exactly. So, um, but it's it's still worth noting that Malkin is out right now because whenever injury to a uh, a big play a star player like that. Yeah, you, we have to mention it, at least. Um, so, uh, right, so now this is back to what we're going to be talking about. Uh, there are three teams tied for the worst record with 47 points. That is uh, Columbus, Edmonton, and Toronto. Uh, Buffalo, uh, Cal- Calgary, and Winnipeg won last night, So, and Buffalo got one point last night. So, um, But they're, they're close there. Hold on, I just have the standings here. So Buffalo has 48 I points. It, I have it right here. Sabres have 49. Yeah, yeah, I was about Flames to say Flames and Jets both have 49. Flames and Jets. Uh, Vancouver has 52. Ottawa yeah. and Montreal and Arizona all have 54. Philadelphia and Minnesota have 55. Um, which it just shows how much parity there is in this league where it's like, like, like there's like a... Um, uh, eight point difference between the last place team and like the eleventh place team. Um, so, but um, so the this begs the question that we're going to ask is: uh, Is there any team on that list that could bounce back and make it to the playoffs? And then on the flip side, any team that's clearly tanking. Uh, the Central and the Atlantic Division are by far the two weakest divisions, um, but um, that doesn't so that is, that would make it easier for those teams in those divisions to bounce back. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, but at the same time, it's like they still have to deal with the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, the uh, Lightning, and the um, the Panthers of the world. So. Um, uh, 
who have a pretty good hold on the division at the moment. But, um, yeah, so, uh, so if there, I don't know, maybe there's not a, a team that can bounce back, but, um, is there? Uh, well, the Sens have shown they can do it. Um, so maybe a playoff spot's not out of the question for them. Uh, the Sabres won't make the playoffs, but I don't think they're, they're tanking. Like they, yeah. like as, as we're going to illustrate that the, the past couple of games, they've given the opposition a real good run for their money. It's true. Yeah, they. Um, it was more frustrating as a Bruins fan watching those two games, but uh, they played a, the Bruins and the Sabres played it back to back. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Buffalo could definitely make a run. Edmonton, as we mentioned before, could make a run if they have, you know, once they get McDavid and R and H back. Um, and, and anything, anything goes, you know, in that in that in the division that they're in. Um, right. And uh, Arizona, I think, is going to make the playoffs really? simply because well. they are in that same division as Edmonton. Yeah. And they with that with that uh, line of uh, that duo of Dumi, uh, Domi and Duclair, and and although they've been struggling a little bit recently, and uh, Louis Domingue has been a little suspect at times in goal. Um, they're still in in the mix uh, as far as playoffs go, and then you also have you know Vancouver in that division. I don't see them making it. Yeah, not to see um, that. Uh, Calgary, yeah, it's again you know in that same weak division. Um, right, I wouldn't rule them out. But, but they've done it before might, in the might past too. Not be too. best for them to make the playoffs either. Right, um, and the Leafs like. The Leafs aren't tanking; they're just bad. Yeah, they're just bad, yeah. and they have a coach in Mike Babcock who will not accept the tanking philosophy. They're going to keep working. They're going to keep trying to win games. They're probably going to lose more than they win. Mm. But at the end of the at the end of the day, we know what to expect from the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. They're probably going to get a top five pick. Uh, but are they in tanking mode? I don't think so. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, like they have Connor Hellebuck in goal. Um, the bad news is they're in probably the toughest division in hockey, right, right, right. so their chances of making the playoffs are also slim. So probably yeah. not making the playoffs is best for them because you know they add to their already um, crop of, of good players. It'll also be interesting to see uh, who they keep: Andrew Ladder, Dustin Bufflin. And we talked about this last week. I think Bufflin is is the guy you trade, not Andrew Ladd, right? Um, based on what Andrew Ladd means to the team, not his physical attributes. Um, and, and like I alluded to before, the Montreal Canadiens wouldn't be the worst thing if they got Austin Matthews. In fact, I think that would probably help their offense down the road more than, more than it would hurt them if they, uh, you know, missed the playoffs this year. Um, are they tanking? Uh, I don't think so because the last thing their fan base wants to hear is tanking for a shot at the lottery, which, if you ask Buffalo and Arizona last year, yeah, didn't work out, work so, out well. so well. Yeah. Um, and it, at some point, if they keep losing, Tyrion is going to be on his way out anyways. Yeah. So, um, um, it's, I, I don't think, especially considering how much is separating playoff teams from the basement teams, hmm. and that's very little, um, I don't think I can really point at a team and saying, okay, they're tanking right there. Yeah, that's true. I don't think any of these teams are clearly tanking. I think Columbus may have given up on the season, though. Yeah. Um, yeah just I think Columbus, when they, tra- when they traded Johansson. Season, yeah, Columbus for sure. When they traded Johansson, um, they did, they were saying, like, okay, we're not actually, we're, we're planning for the future. I wouldn't say that was like what Buffalo or uh, Arizona did last year, um, and um, and Toronto is also they're just a bad team. Buffalo, I could see Buffalo and Edmonton making a run, um, just because like if you have Eichel or McDavid on this team, you know, on your team, you always have like some kind of chance or some kind of potential. Um, and I don't think Buffalo is going to make a run. I think they're going to be a five hundred team though. Yeah, I think, but I think they're gonna be like they're not gonna they're gonna narrowly miss the playoffs. I think hmm, that's an interesting prediction. Okay, um, <laughs> and I also I think that like because Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary, and Winnipeg all made the playoffs last year, and Montreal, I forgot them too. Um, so all those Canadian teams, um, they 
they have a chance to bounce back because they've done it before last year. Um, you know, they all the, all all the times people were counting them out, except for Montreal because they were they had a pretty steady lead last year. But um, you know, for Ottawa and Calgary, especially and Winnipeg, especially. Um, you know, everyone was carrying them out last year in the second half, and then they, you know, they just went on a run. So that could happen again. It is funny, I'll say this, that the one year where all Canadian teams are on the cups of making, not making the playoffs, or in that kind of area, is the year where the first four prospects in the draft are not Canadian, um, which I think is kind of funny. But, uh, um, so it's like they're tanking to get, uh, like the best American drafted since, like, uh, Patrick Kane. Um, well, it should be noted, though, that Jacob, uh, Jacob Chikrin, is, is he in the top four prospects? He's top five. Right now I have, this is on the CSS rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Matthews as one, Lane as two. Pull, pull, pull you Varvi as three Varvey, yeah. and Kachuk as four. Yeah. And then Chikrin uh, five. Jacob Chikrin, it should be noted that he was born in the U.S. Right. He tried up for the Team Canada World Junior Team this year. And didn't but he didn't it. make it, right? Um, he didn't make it, no. He uh, was on the first batch of cuts. Yeah. But he tried out for the team. Uh, yeah. So I he, just, he's kind of one of those Canadian-American mix. Uh, but, I, I just think that's funny, though. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Columbus probably, I mean, probably has the best shot at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be kind of, be kind of scary if like Buffalo or Edmonton got Austin Matthews. Um, I think it would be more scary if either Columbus or Edmonton got him. Well, yeah, but, but Buffalo would be, uh, would be they would have to retitle like Buffalo Americans because they have Eichel and Matthews. And they have Dan Belsma, who's the who's usually who was the American coach for yeah. a couple of years. But yeah, you're right. I mentioned would be scary too. Columbus um, would be weird too. But uh, I don't know. It could happen. Um, it, it could, and and it's. I think this is the tightest race I've seen for for teams that have a shot at the number one overall pick or yeah. top five pick in a very long time. Yeah, it's true. Even closer than last year when they actually had a reason to tank. Yeah, even when they had a good reason to tank. Um, so on the flip side, uh, so yeah, we talked about who's tanking. We talked about who's who might bounce back. But on the flip side, we have teams that were struggling early on, um, but now have finally gotten it together. Um, the Anaheim Ducks have won six straight, and now they're third in their division. Um, I mean, it is the uh, the Pacific, but it's still, you know, it's, it's an accomplishment. Um, Pittsburgh has co- also come back. Uh, they're third in their division now, too. Um, and as you know, Anaheim and Pittsburgh had a trade a couple weeks ago. Uh, David Perron for Carl Haglin. Uh, and they've both been uh, huge helps to them. Uh, Perron has eight points in seven games, and Haglin has five points in eight games. Um, so the trade has looked good on both ends. Um, and they also... Glenn Denning, who was claimed off players by the Oilers. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, they made a couple of other trades. Trevor Daly, uh, Pittsburgh had got Trevor Daly. For Scuderi, yeah. Um, and Anaheim got Garba for Sekach, both to Chicago. Um, and then, uh, I think Pittsburgh made another trade, too, I'm thinking. But, um... Um, yeah, so they both, uh, oh, and Mike Sullivan for, yeah. uh, they made a trade for, uh, they made a coaching change on that end. So we all kind of expected that, I mean, yeah, Anaheim and Pittsburgh struggled at the beginning of the year, but we all kind of expected that they both do well, um, or would finally get it together eventually because they're too good not to. Um, but, uh, so Anaheim has been helped by the two-headed monster of Frederick Anderson and John Gibson, who have been giving them both good performances lately. It's mostly the one-headed monster of John Gibson that got him back into the mix. And then Uh, Frederick Anderson started playing well. Picked up his play has certainly helped. Yeah, exactly. And then for Pittsburgh, it's the coaching chain has helped. We talked about Trevor Daly. Crosby is finally back to 
uh, his normal self. Kessel's been good. Yeah, he's been decent, I should say. Um, he hasn't been up to what he's usually is, but he's still been decent. I think he scores some points every now and then. Um, but yeah, so um, they play tomorrow. Um, I was just look when I was looking at this for some research. I was just like, oh, they play tomorrow. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think, I, I actually think that Pittsburgh is actually a good contender right now, um, because, um, they're playing well, um, they're, you know, you know, and I think once you have, once you get Malkin back, as we mentioned before, you know, you're, um, you know, you have Crosby, Kessel, Fleury, Latang, you're never out. Um, so I think like it's now it's not a question of whether the Pittsburgh Penguins will make the playoffs as if they're a serious contender. I think Anaheim will also be in the playoffs too, um, just because of how weak that division is. Um, and you say? <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I think the out of the two, the serious, the more serious contender between the two is Anaheim. Uh, the, defensively, especially, I think they're yeah. more built for the playoffs than Pittsburgh is. Uh, and if Pittsburgh, you know, sneaks in and gets one of the wild card spots, then they're probably going to get a, a very tough test in in either. Um, you know, depending on if Tampa wins the division, they'll probably they'll probably get Tampa Bay, and if th- if that doesn't happen, then they'll probably get the Capitals. And I think both of them are are really going to cause problems. Well, right now Pittsburgh has the third spot in the Metropolitan, so it could very well be that uh, they. Um, they don't. Um, and they, they, don't they would even get either get the, the Islanders or the Rangers in that case. Right. If I'm not mistaken, right? Right. Right now, yeah. Right now, Pittsburgh plays the Rangers if the playoffs were today. And um, King Henrik plus playoffs equals money. So yeah, but also, I mean, don't cause problems. Yeah, that's true. They uh, the Rangers did beat them last year, but they also have a coach now. So it's like um, it's uh, you know the, a coach that works. Once you get a coach that works, you can. Um, you know, anything's possible. Um, so I don't know, but we'll talk the, that segues perfectly to our next topic, which is Crosby, who's finally, uh, getting it together. He's the, uh, he also made a milestone last, last night. He is the fastest active player to reach 900 career points, uh, that beating out Yamir Yager, who he just, you know, who, who he was playing against. Um, it was against the Panthers, and also, you know, Yager is also a former Penguin. Um, and he's the ten- Crosby's the 10th quickest all-time. He's now on a 10-game point streak. Oh, no, it's, I thought it was a 15-game point streak. I'm, oh, no, 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 It's a 10-game point streak, 6-game goal streak, and 15 points in that span, which is 10 goals and 17 points, or 17, 7 assists. Um, so yeah, we all, as I think we mentioned before, and we were talking in one of our former episodes, we were talking about how, you know, if Crosby will ever get it back together, same with Getzlaff too. Um, Crosby, uh, so it looks like Crosby is finally back. Um, and it's, you know, it's good for the league. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we know what, you know what you're getting from Crosby and, you know, if he struggles, he doesn't struggle for long. He usually breaks out of it. And he's done just that. And that six-game goal-scoring streak, the longest since his rookie season yeah, yeah. in 05-06. Um, yeah, and I think Crosby is now in the top ten of the scoring leaders. He was, like, on the verge of there for a long time, but now he's finally in the scoring leader. So uh, he could, you know, he could. <laughs> I don't think he'll reach Patrick Kane's levels yet, but um, he could. He could be in the top five at the end of the season if he keeps it up right now. Uh, Luongo has is this became the seventh winniest coach uh, goaltender in NHL history. I can't speak yeah. right now with four two four wins. Uh, Plant is number six with four thirty seven, so he has a little more time to uh, do that. But uh, we should mention that. Um, yeah, but he's still a long ways away from Martin Brodeur, who, by the way, is getting his jersey retired um, later on this week. All right, that's right. Um, I guess we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so but it's it's still uh, cool. It's it's weird because you always 
his uh, yeah, his best years were in Vancouver, but he always but he played his most time in Florida. So they have him like before his prime and then after his prime. But it's good that they're doing well right now. I'm happy, even though they're in the in my division. Um, it's still um, it's I, I um, it's cool that he's uh, doing well. Remember um, when he was a prospect for the New York Islanders? Yeah, and then I'm Mike sure Mulberry traded him. Hate to be reminded of that. Yeah, like they they hate to be reminded that Chara um, used to be a New York Islander, and that T. Pietro was chosen first overall, and they gave him that rich, huge contract. And they gave Yashin a rich, huge contract. So, <laughs> and and that GM is now on NBC talking. Um, uh, is still on the air in NBC. Yeah. Um. Uh. Then this we don't really talk about like stuff on the internet that often here, but um, I figured it was related to what we're you know hockey. Uh, the NHL. If you ever check NHL.com for your stats and standings, the NHL like we do. Like we do. Um, NHL.com changed redesigned their site. Um, and, they, and I think they also changed their NHL TV plan to like, they got, um, they changed the, Yeah. So their NHL TV thing is like all, um, it's different than, it's a different look, uh, than it used to be. I liked, I like. I'm usually, uh, I don't like change. I'll say that up, up front. I don't really yeah, like change at all. Here. Um, I don't think a lot of people like change anyways, but, uh, this just makes it I'd be okay. I think it's like generally, I just tend to get used to it after a while, and then I sort of like forget what it was like beforehand. I feel like it's going to take me a while for me to actually be like, "All oh, right, this is the new, this is the new NHL.com." Um, but yeah, um, so that that's this is a it's a sad day, but I think we'll I think we'll live. I don't know if you have anything I, I, to say about that. Uh, at a radio station, and there's a sports station not uh, a couple of steps from where I work on a daily basis. And and the sports guys, what the most of my that I've interacted with, say they don't like it at all. Yeah, they they find it's it's too much change. It's and and like there were certain parts of the old website where I couldn't stand it because I couldn't find what I wanted. I really had to look for it. Right. Um. This is a, like at first glance. A lot tougher to navigate around. So maybe it's it's the change part. I'm not quite sure, but um, it, it's not it's not sitting well with me so far. Yeah, I think it's more just the whole like layout thing. Yeah, the the, lay, the layout. I yeah. think it's it was a lot a lot easier in, in the last one. The, the, it's it's more spread out, and right. I like it when everything's bunched up closer together. <laughs> yeah, I um. Oh my god, it's 8 I'm just looking at their site right now. I found out that it's 8-1 in uh, New York Islanders right now. And they're starting Thomas Grice for the first time in over a month. Jeez. Um, but, um... The, not at the office for me. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I usually... I mean, I usually, for standings and stats, I usually look at uh, Yahoo or ESPN for that. But, like, yeah. for NHL, I usually, like, go to NHL for, you know, like, if I want to see a goal or something... And that's that's a lot tougher than it used to be, um, but um, whatever. Uh, let's uh, let's go to our next segment, which is Bruins sends. I think I started off with the Bruins last week, so I guess it's your turn this week with the sends. We kind of briefly talked about them a bit, but um, yeah. So your your sends lost to the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Seven to one, I believe. Seven two. Seven two, and now Edmonton's getting their karma by losing eight one to the Islanders right now. But it's still, um, uh, how are you feeling now? Well, before that seven two loss, they took advantage of a struggling Mark Andre Fleury on a Tuesday night. Unfortunately, they gave it right back in a six to five loss. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I forgot about that too. Their power play was just, or not their power play, their penalty kill, like it. Pittsburgh was uh, got two or three power play goals in that game. Uh, Crosby got a natural hat trick as well. Uh, those kind of games, when you get four goals on the first 16 shots against Marc-Andre Fleury, um, 
you need to take advantage and and win those kind of games and they didn't do that uh especially when you open up a lead um i think they were up maybe um i think maybe they're up by a couple of goals early on in the first period and and watched pittsburgh tie it um there's there's no there's no excuse to 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 let a team like Pittsburgh get hot, especially when you know what they're capable of. Right. Uh, and they were outshot by like a two to one margin in that game as well. So it's not like they dominated Pittsburgh in that game either. Uh, then you find yourselves down three to one to Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers after 20 minutes. And yeah, it's Connor McDavid. And yeah, you lose seven to two. But on top of all that, to add insult to injury, a former teammate in Eric Riva grabs an assist in two fighting majors and his first visit to the Canadian Tire Center as a visitor, and they can't do a darn thing to stop him. Um, they they let they let the Oilers do whatever the heck they wanted in that game, and it was very tough to watch. Um, and then it's amazing you get grab the team uh, closed door meeting right afterwards, and you either look pretty good against a Toronto team uh, against a team like Toronto in a six to one thrashing on a Saturday night. Or you're still the same team, and you simply took advantage of a Maple Leaf squad that's going anywhere but the playoffs this year. Um, three goals on eight shots. Chase Reimer from the net. They were up 6 nothing a few minutes into the final frame. That's great. Now you've got your hands full, because the Red Hot Tampa Bay Lightning are coming to town on a Monday night. Then you're traveling to Detroit for a Wednesday night tilt, and they're facing a Detroit team that's contending for the Atlantic Division title themselves. And less than 24 hours after that, back home to face the Colorado Avalanche, who have started to pick it up in recent memory. In the seven days to follow, you have must-win games against the Blue Jackets, Sabres, and Hurricanes. And I say must-win. These are the teams you have to beat. And consider this for a brief second. The Rangers have 63 points, seventh in the NHL. Ottawa's got 54 points. That's nine less than the Rangers, and they're 23rd overall in the NHL. So, yes, they're within the territory of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers. They're not too far back of that. But they're also within playoff territory. And they've still got around 30 to 35 games to make a statement. And you saw what kind of a statement they made last year. This team isn't out of the race just yet. So, if they can put up a good week this week and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, all of a sudden they're right back in the mix. Yeah, especially in this division where like, we're all close together like this, where I feel like any team can get that last wild card spot or that, that third spot. Um, of and, the, and, and what, of what, if, what impressed me about that Leafs game, by the way, sorry to interrupt, what imp- impressed me the most about that Leafs game is that the young guns were getting involved. Lazar had two goals. Ryan Zingle... Uh, had his first NHL point um, in the in the third period as well. Um, Shane Prince uh, was was playing um, some added minutes as well in that game. Um, so and and Max McCormick got into a couple of fights. The the young guns are playing. Uh, they're they're getting some licks in, in at the big league level, and it's not just Shane Prince. It's not just Matt Pumble. It's it's, you know, the other guys that you haven't seen in prior in the NHL, like Ryan Single and Max McCormick, as I alluded to, uh, and Freddie Clayson and Chris Weidman, who didn't play much on the team last year, if they did at all. So um, I'm liking what they're doing with their prospects. You know, you obviously want to see, you know, more of the young guns stepping up because when the guys on the third line and fourth line are stepping up and contributing – and you've got your best players contributing on top of that. That really bodes well. And the fact that they have Kyle Turris now back in the lineup is also a positive. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, yeah. But like at the same, you know, at the same time, it's I feel like the Bruins and the Ottawa Senators are um, have are leading the same kind of uh, having the same kind of season where like yeah. they get hot at sometimes and then they get, they lose at the, you know, they really cool off. Yeah. They really cool off. They're just inconsistent. Um, yeah. So, so uh, this week, I, I think we mentioned last week where I was, I was, even though we were playing Toronto once and Buffalo twice, this week, I, I think I remember I was saying, like, I'm still nervous because I don't think we're, we, we're going to 
Like, I still wasn't sure if we were going to win those games. Um, it turns out I was, <laughs> I was pretty spot on on that. Because uh, we made it to uh, extra overtime, or three straight times. Uh, so we lost to Toronto. Um, it was kind of, uh, it wasn't as much of a magnitude as the 4-1 2013 Game 7 game. But, uh, you guys we, had the lead. yeah, we had the lead. Um, and then Ottawa became the underdogs who beat us. Um, so, but... So I guess it's finally payback, but, you know, on a smaller scale. But, uh, so that was unfortunate, but at least we had a point. I was just like, uh, I guess we, you know, we're, we're not out of it. We have the, we still have the wild card, whatever. Um, you know, uh, Marshawn looked good. Um, and then we played Buffalo. Um, and then, uh, Chad Johnson, our old goaltender, um, played, um, he played pretty well too. Um, and they, they look, the Sabres of the two games I saw of them, the Sabres actually look pretty good lately. Um, you know, it's just Rask is playing out of his mind. Uh, Brad Marchand's playing really well. He's about to reach his career total in points, uh, very soon. I think his career total is 30 points and he has, uh, Oh, no, not 30 points. I think his career total... Hold on, let me look this up. Um, his career total is 55. I 50 to 55. Yeah, he has 55. His career total is 55 points in 2011-2012. Wow, so that's my fourth prediction right on the nose. Yeah, well, and he... Uh, well, it's not uh, official not yet. prediction, but calling my shot. That's the fourth time. <laughs> uh, and it's not official yet, but... Um, but yeah, so he's on pace for about sixty points right now. Um, he uh, right, so then so right, we played the uh, Sabers, um, the Swede line with or the Czech line, I should say, because it's uh, Pasternak, Krejci, and uh, Erickson. So it's two Czechs and a Swede. Um, they've been playing really well. It's just we haven't been scoring when we need to, um, other than Marchand. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Leonard looked really good, too, last night. Um, and then, as, uh, you mentioned, we made it into overtime. Marshawn got, um, on first glance, it looked like he got slashed by Ristolainen, but on, upon, so then he was given a penalty shot. However, on the second replay, even Jack Edwards, who's known as the biggest homer of Bruins history, um, or of the Boston Bruins. Um, yeah, it might, he, might, might be one of the top five homers around the league, I would say. <laughs> He's gotten better, though, but I'm, I'm yeah, also biased, too. Better. I'm biased, too. Um, I mean, I, I don't really care about that kind of stuff for announcers, because it's like, yeah, they're, like, what do you expect? They're paid by the team to announce the games. What do you want them to do? Like, uh, like uh, criticize them about everything? So, but, uh, yeah, even Jack... Uh, Jack was wasn't sure that it should have been a penalty shot, and it shouldn't have been, because uh, upon further replay, it looked like Marshawn uh, slashed the stick of Ristolainen out. It wasn't. I thought Marshawn didn't. Uh, at first glance, I thought Marshawn didn't have a stick, and Ristolainen slashed him, but it was the other way around. Um, so, so yeah, he gets a penalty shot. Uh, he scores. And then upon, uh, apparently it was announced later or was reported later that Brad Marsh, there's, it's illegal to have skin showing in your gloves, um, which Marshawn did or it, like his palms weren't out. So from my perspective is that shouldn't have even, <laughs> like the penalty shot shouldn't have even happened in the first place. And the goal uh, should have been disallowed because the that's illegal been. under the rules, and yeah. apparently you can get penalized as well if you're caught. So, but I mean, at this but point, there was no penalty, and the goal yeah. and the Bruins won anyway. At the, at, yeah, at this point, is that if we're being, and which brings me to my next point, which is if we're this close to the bottom dwellers of Buffalo and Toronto, like it just shows to me that, like, I mean, obviously I'll take it. Um, we shouldn't have won that game. But we did. Um, so, but, like, if, yeah, so, but if you're still, like, close to, we're just playing to our competition, 
Um, we by have the skin of your teeth. By the skin of our teeth, and that's not a good thing to be. Um, Spooner had a nice goal. Has been looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, he had a nice shootout goal, and he had a nice um, goal um, in the first Buffalo game. Um, so, but it's kind of like, I was just, what I was listening to Bruins radio and they're all saying like, cause this is like the, the team to beat in the Eastern conference is the Capitals and the Bruins right now, or any team in the Eastern conference don't have the right roster to beat the Capitals in a seven game series. So the question is, is that like, would just getting a defensive guy be enough, and that would be trading a guy like Louis Erickson, and then that would probably screw your team in the future. So I'm okay. I'm at this point where, yeah, I'd be sad if we got rid of Louis Erickson, but at the same time, if if we're not going to sign him in the offseason, we might as well try to get something for him. And if that's some, I just want that something to be like something that's going to help us out in the future. Because so I don't think we're going to go far. We may win a, win a round. It depends on who we play, if we make the playoffs. Um, but I I don't expect us to be, get very far in the playoffs. So I would... They're, they're not a cup contender, Brian. Right, right, right. So I would... I'd rather them... Try, if they're going to trade, I'd rather them plan for the future or get guys who are on contracts for a couple more years. So we can see what we have and what, if they fit into our system, um, rather than just get a rental guy. Um, I think they need to plan uh, above all else. They need to plan with life without Shara. They need to have someone who can right who can not carry the torch that Shara's left behind. Yeah, but do at least a decent job of filling in for him because you're not going to find another guy like Sedano Chair, in my opinion. No, no, you're right. Uh, that's that's definitely tough, too. Um, and it's not like teams are going to be, uh, uh, like, they're just going to give it to you because um, yeah. they know that's what you're looking for. So, um, yeah, so that's going to be tough. I feel, But I feel like that kind of stuff is going to have to be figured out later in the offseason. Um but I think that's where we are, where we're at in Boston is that we're, you know, we're we're good enough to make the playoffs or at least contend in the for the playoffs, but we're not good enough to be get far into the playoffs. Yeah, um, Ottawa's at the same at that same road too. Yeah, and Ottawa, I would yeah, I would say Ottawa's in that same ballpark too. So, um, but I don't know if it's that simple for Ottawa to like. Because they do need defensive help, but I don't know if it's like that simple for them either. Um, I feel like they need a stronger goaltender. Goaltending isn't the issue for Ottawa. I mean, it, and it doesn't help the fact that you know prior to that six to one win over Toronto, that they'd given up thirteen goals in two games. Like, yeah, that's alarming. And but that's team play. Like even last year. How many times did you see them come back in the third period after starting off slow? Yeah, that happens How many a lot. times have you seen them start off slow this year? Right. And but, either make... Sorry? No, no, go on. I, okay. I'll <laughs> let you finish your point. Okay. How, how many times have, have you seen them start off slow this year and either make a comeback or come up short? The slow starts have plagued this team, and they finally caught up with them. This is still a young team. Um, but they, they need to stick to the system, and they need to get better at playing the system. And, and, and the young guns, you know, especially on defense, Chris Wyman's got potential. Freddie Clayson's got potential. Chris Phillips, he's probably not going to play another game. Uh, he, I haven't really even heard much progress in his, in his rehab process with uh, that nagging back of his. Um, and he's under contract until the end of this year. Hasn't played a game I don't expect him to. Um and then you've got, you know, Chris Neal, a free agent at the end of this year. Not sure what's going to happen with him. I would like to see a guy like Chris Neal there because he's a guy that can, you know, he's got uh, a, two, a couple of multi-point games this year, but you know what he brings. You know, he's he's a guy that brings toughness and grit, and you need at least one or two of those guys, especially with a young, talented team that Ottawa is, with guys like Carlson and Stone and Hoffman and all of them. Um but 
it's sticking to the system. They need to play the system. And, and for some time now, they haven't been doing it as well as they should be. And goaltending isn't the issue. Defense isn't the issue. Um, it, it's the fact that they're a young team. They need to stick to the system, and they, they need to have better structure. As soon as that structure comes, I think you're going to see um, much better results from the Ottawa Senators. I don't think they need to make any trades. I think they just need to stay the course. But if, if I'm the Ottawa Senators, and I think maybe I mentioned this last week too, um, Jared Cowan is probably the only expendable guy that they have. Maybe maybe we're cost too, but I think I think Cowan. If they trade anyone, Cowan, it's it's Jared Cowan. But isn't like uh, losing to Edmonton a seven to two, losing to Pittsburgh six five, like losing to uh, Jersey six three, Islanders five two? Isn't that a bit alarming to you? It's 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 a little bit alarming recently for sure. Um, but keep in mind when they lost to the New York Islanders. And I believe when they lost to the New Jersey Devils, um, and they they lost uh, also, like I mentioned, 6-5 to Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know how much of the loss of Kyle Turris impacted them. Yeah, um, true, that's a good point. They, they, they weren't really getting blown out of the water prior to those games where well, they, lost. You know, they looked very, very beatable. <laughs> I'm looking at their schedule right now. They lost to Washington seven to one, Anaheim four yeah, one. That was probably the, the that was probably the the first of the many games over the past yeah. month or so where they looked very beatable. If you go fa- even further back, they lost three. I'm just looking at all their losses in terms of their scores. I, I'm kind of ignoring all the wins that they've won, uh, <laughs> which I guess you shouldn't really do. That's I am one side here. Uh, they lost. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, they lost to Chicago, New Jersey, three nothing, and then they lost to the Bruins, seven three. You know, so I mean, I guess I feel like they do need defense, but I mean, I don't know. I guess you've watched more than I have, so um, you you probably know better than I do about this. Um, well, it's, it's it's more inexperience and not playing to the system. I think that's what concerns me the most. Um, but. The, the fact, the fact, it, it, I'm not going to lie, it is concerning when your two best defensemen are Eric Carlson and Mark Mathot, <laughs> and then you've got a question mark beside Jaron Cowan in the third spot, and Cody Ceci, who's got potential, but he's, when, when he's your top four defenseman, and that's, that's pretty much all you've got at this point, that, it, it, I'm not going to lie, I'm concerned about that, but Again, they're a team like Boston that isn't expected to do much of anything if they get in the playoffs this year. So why make a trade that's, you know, just maybe going to be a plug-in for one or two years, right. um, especially with the future that this that this team, um, you know, could have. Brian Murray is a guy that he's not going to make a deal unless he absolutely has to. And if the deal isn't there, he's not going to make it plain and simple. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's, you could say the same for the Bruins, too. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. I think that's it. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Stephen Ellsworth. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everyone, even though... we will again on episode 19 of yeah. the Lace Month Podcast. Enjoy the Super Bowl, even though you'll hear this right after it. Um, <laughs> a day later. Um, all right. Go Broncos. No, go Panthers. Um, all right.